HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This piece was brought to you by Roberta's, robertaspizza.com. This week on Meet and 3, we bring you stories about the coldest, darkest season. We start in a California vineyard. It's cold, but it's wet, and things are still alive. There's a lot of life in this soil. We explore two frontiers of cocktail culture, luxury ice and the rise of non-alcoholic drinks. The rocks traditionally becomes 25% of your drink's volume, and as such, it imparts smells and tastes. And we investigate the risks facing New York City delivery workers during the harsh winter. In the wintertime, after two hours of biking, it's quite easy, actually, for the bikes to spin upside down or slips or slide. Tune in to this week's episode of Meat and 3, that's M-E-A-T plus sign T-H-R-E-E, for some food for thought to sustain you through the dead of winter. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, 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 welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Hey, guys, I'm Jimmy Carboni. I'm the host here at Beer Sessions Radio. It's Tuesday, February 12th, 2019. And, guys, it's the 10th anniversary of HeritageRadioNetwork.org. There'll be a lot about that going on all this year. Um, one of our ongoing themes is kind of a New York State, regional, local, um, and uh, things that are that aspect of craft beer, which is what we love the most, you know, local businesses, local breweries. And um, we're going to give a quick introduction of everybody because there's quite a few people in the room today. We'll start with our friend, the host of Brewed in New York TV. Hey, my name is uh, Matt Archambault, host of Brewed in New York on PBS all over the state. And I also uh, attend bar at Fool's Gold and Fifth Hammer in, uh, in the city here. Thanks for joining us again. Yeah. And the guy that put the show together, a good buddy from up in the Hudson Valley. Hi, folks. I don't know if I put it together, but with your help, uh, Ken Landon, co-owner of Crossroads Brewing Company up in Athens and Catskill, New York. All right. Thanks, thanks, Kenny. And you brought some of your buddies. Yeah. Uh, welcome. Uh, thanks for having me on the show. Andrew Preston, founder of Local to Locals and uh, owner of Hicksville Beer and Soda. You know, Andrew, um, this is a really special day for me, and I'll tell you why. I love the local movements. I, I love people creating uh, seals and, you know, organizations of businesses. So we're going to talk a lot about your local to locals movement, but just give us in, in, in your, you know, your own words, a little intro to it. Cause I, first thing I heard of it, but I know that a lot of breweries and distributors are trying to be part of it. 
Yeah, so the, the way it works, it's it's technically a certification mark, uh, other certification marks out there that people are uh, familiar with, non-GMO, USDA organic, or specific to the brewing industry, Indica uh, Independent Craft Brewers Association seal. But what this tells a consumer is that, one, a manufacturer, like a brewery, is independently owned and operated, or... Uh, a retailer, whether it be a retailer, beverage center, bar, restaurant, is independently owned and operated. And if it's ever on a product, whether it be on a unique tap handle adapter or on a can, that both those conditions are present. So now consumers can be confident that the money that they're spending on these products or supporting these businesses uh, is staying at home in the community. I love that, man. We're going to talk about that for, for the whole show. And it has a New York State focus, doesn't it? Yes, it, it works on a state-by-state -state basis technically, but it has to be proven in the state it started, and uh, local to me is all of New York State. So Kenny at Carrasso's is, is one of your breweries, right? He's your first uh, Hudson Valley yes, brewery. Yes, he was the first uh, Hudson Valley brewery to show uh, sign up. And so you, and you also brought in and some I brought, restaurant uh, tours? My, yeah, my friend Anthony, from he owns Coastal Kitchen and Daiquiri Bar and uh, Verde Kitchen and Cocktails in Bayshore. He was the first Bayshore. restaurant to sign Anthony up. Anthony and Joe, you guys say hello. Tell us who you are. Hey, guys. How are you? My name is Anthony. We own Coastal in Bayshore and Verde Kitchen and Cocktails out in Suffolk County. Great. And Joe. Hey. What's going on? My name is Joseph. Uh, I'm a manager at Coastal. We have uh, 14 taps, actually. Uh, about 80% plus at any given time are all local to Long Island, which is uh, why it was easy kind of to follow in Andrew's. No, that's great. I mean, I love that there's like from Hudson Valley to, to Long Island, you guys made a connection. Um, Matt, I know in Brood, Brood New York TV, uh, did you go out to uh, any Long Island breweries? Yeah, we did. Uh, <clears throat> we spoke to Mustache a few times uh, on the road, went to Greenport Harbor. Um, yeah, so we, st we stopped by a few of them. Yeah, and um, Andrew, what are some of the Long Island breweries that are, that are part of the Local to Locals movement? Uh, we do have Greenport. We have Oyster Bay, Spider Bite, uh, Dubco, Destination Unknown, uh, Dubco Destination Unknown, uh, Oyster Bay, Barrier, uh, Gun Hill in the Bronx was the first off Long Island uh, before, and then Kenny uh, over at Crossroads Brewing. <laughs> Kenny, uh, you've been we've been talking about getting you back on the show for a while, and welcome back. Um, this theme, local to locals, came up, and you, and you invited Andrew in. Um, how did you get involved with that program? And why, and why, uh, well, why did you get involved as a Hudson Valley brewery? Essentially, we would, we, we, you know, we, I got to lean into a little bit of the distribution market, but um, we, we, we essentially, we do have distributors that distribute our beer, but we also do a lot of self-distribution ourselves. And we were looking to break into the Long Island market, and, you know, uh, we don't have a distributor signed up there, so we, we, we got... Uh, hooked up with Andrew at, at, at in Hicksville, and um, you know we just started chatting. He presented the local local movement to me, and I mean, thirty seconds into it, I was like, I'm in. Yeah, I'm so in. Andrew, I, so you're I, the, you're the guy for the show. That this is kind of your show. But tell us your background as a as a beverage center. You know, different customers you have, and and the role you play in in, in the craft beer community out there. Yeah, well, I uh, I've been in the beverage and. Uh, center industry since I was 17 years old. I'm 31 now. Uh, I was fortunate enough at a very young age to have some people that believed in me. Bought a store when I was 23, turning 24. I just recently celebrated my seven-year anniversary, which uh, baffles me at times. <laughs> uh, and right off the bat, one of the uh, 
The, you know, you never had a job like Michael in the office, right? No, never. no. <laughs> I, I, I was my, always a blue collar. My daughter's worker. sixteen, and she's like, "Daddy, is that going to be my life? Is is it going to be like working at the office?" Maybe, yeah, maybe. Uh, I actually was offered a job as a financial advisor. I went three days in a suit and tie, and I said, "This isn't for me." So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then one of the intriguing uh, parts of Hicksville and why I wanted to buy the place was it didn't really have craft beer. The craft beer that was there was. Sierra Nevada, Sam Adams, Goose Island. So I saw a unique opportunity. And the first week I was in the store, I brought in over $10,000 worth of craft beer. Uh, and since then, it's grown into so much more. And over time, you just realize that there's so much good beer out there. And specifically now in New York State, why not try to give back to other local businesses and help them? Uh, we that, that's a big part about this is also networking, whether it be retailers, breweries, uh, beverage centers, whatever it may be. We all face very similar struggles. Uh, the, the New York State breweries are competing in a marketplace where there is over thousands and thousands of different uh, brands of beer that are sold. Uh, same thing is as a retailer or a restaurant, there's a new corporation opening up on every single block, whether it be an Applebee's, whether it be a Target, whether it be a Walgreens, whatever it may be. So this is a way for us to work with one another to make sure we could uh, sustain our businesses and be successful. So, Anthony, so as, as a restaurateur, why did you join a local local movement? And do you, have you had a long relationship with Andrew? No, no. We met Andrew when he started Locals to Locals. Um, it's a great idea. And uh, <clears throat> like he said, it's bringing local businesses together, uh, craft beer, different breweries, and it's kind of bringing us all together. That's great, man. Uh, Matt, what is, is this interesting to you? I mean, it, Yeah, man, it is. So, so you're, at your uh, place, uh, your two spots, some like dedicated number of lines is dedicated to New York State breweries. Exactly, exactly. So I think Andrew requires uh, 25% of the draft lines to be dedicated to locals to locals. We were already there. We were pretty much 50% to 70% based on the day. Um, You know, beers are coming and going. So we were already there. It just made sense for us. And Anthony was a perfect partner for this because he already believed in the concept of local. Uh, he also has two of the hottest restaurants in Bayshore. So it wasn't like he needed the extra awareness and advertising, but he just believed so much in what we were doing and what we were trying to accomplish that he was willing to get on board pretty easily. And what, what are some of the breweries that, that you have on draft regularly? Um, so we support pretty much all of Long Island breweries. We have Destination Unknown, which is Dubco. We have uh, Montauk. Um, Sand City, Barrier, Greenport, a um, couple from the city. And, uh, yeah, we support all the uh, local breweries. That's a pretty good lineup. And and if you don't uh, – the, the reason that 25% number came up, and there's nothing contractual about it. It's just kind of a, a verbal commitment to support local breweries. But an interesting fact that I've been told multiple times, and I've yet to verify it myself, so if somebody could find a way to do this for me, I'd greatly appreciate it. Uh, in New York State, roughly 6% of draft lines are New York State-based products. If you go to a state like Vermont, over 60% of draft lines are Vermont-based products. And to me, that was that was shocking. Wow. Yeah, that is crazy. So. I want to tell you guys a secret. You guys probably know this. I had my own place for so long, Jimmy's number 43, and we, we had... We have something kind of like what you're doing, a good beer seal, which was just about an independent craft beer bars in the city. And um, I was recently shocked. I don't want to say the place, but a, but a guy called me up 
and wanted some feedback on he's opening a new place on, on his draft list. And I, I gave him a pretty mainstream but 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 pretty good craft craft list to put on six draft lines. Pretty mm-hmm. easy assignment for any of us. Mm-hmm. And then of course he came back with he was only going to use the A B crafty portfolio. Mm-hmm. And so I know what, what, what you're talking about and what, what you're up against because a lot of old school guys when they think business, they think who's gonna throw money at them or or you know price point and other things and they, yeah, so, they miss the big picture let's talk about that yeah so so price point wise that <clears throat> makes a difference in the you know how much you're spending on a keg but like how have customers reacted to seeing that you're participating in this program for us it's it's better for us to buy a local beer we we can actually sell it for more money people get behind it people are excited to see it instead of like you said an ab product where you can find anywhere um, local products and local craft beer for us just sells much better. I mean, isn't that the the interesting part about the craft beer industry that when everything like I like that you mentioned, like everyone's buying from Amazon, people are shopping at Target, and yet craft beer everyone wants local, and there's local businesses and there's local jobs. Yeah, yeah. But what's great about this is this kind of furthers the whole shop local philosophy or the support local. Uh, somebody could walk into Hicksville Beer and Soda and they're shopping local, uh, they're supporting local, but they walk out with a corporate product. They just defeated half the purpose. Vice versa. They walk into Target or Walmart and they buy a Crossroads Brewing Company. They're buying local, but they're not shopping locally. So this logo is a way for consumers to easily identify when both conditions are present. So now we know all the money's staying home. So let's say a, a theoretical brewery, I'm, I don't want to know if I can name it, the one you were mentioning before. It, you're not quite sure where the ownership is. You're not quite sure where, where the beers are made, yet they're based in New York. You know, how, how do you, how do you, Quantify that someone can Correct. get this well, there, certificate. There, uh, there, there are standards that the brewery has to meet. They independently owned and operated, not a publicly traded company. Uh, part of it also is that the liquid that's going to be using the logo uh, has to be brewed within the state of New York. Uh, so that's where it gets tricky with some breweries. It doesn't mean you can't contract brew. Just we encourage that you contract brew within the state of New York or anything that's using the logo gets contracted here. Uh, but yes, there are some ownership that aren't as clear cut as some of these other breweries. Uh, so it just takes a little bit more research. If you want to be a part of it, we're happy to dig into that research and uh, uh, really figure out what's going on. And if you don't, it is what it is. It's not for everybody. Matt, let's talk about what we're drinking. This is a local brewery. Yeah, I brought a few uh, of the newer beers from Fifth Hammer Brewing in LIC. I bartend there on weekends. Uh, Delicious. Cheers, guys. Yeah, yeah. The Very ca- good. Cashmere Kid. All the all the names of the beer, a lot of the names of the beers feature animals, so it's a little baby. I now know goat. who I have to talk to next. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I've also got this uh, pineapple sour. I think they just canned it. Maybe today or yesterday too. So Ooh, you're nice. lucky. You're lucky. You get to work with Chris Kuzme, Mary Isaac. Yeah, great people, great beer, just a great a great scene over there right now. Fifth Hammer, if you, if you haven't stopped by, is um, it's kind of a sleeper still. I think people are just discovering it. Been around for about a year. Yeah, and then and he can play the saxophone. And at this point, and he can play the saxophone. Yeah, he's great. <laughs> so Andrew, how, how, you hear about a brewery? How do you approach them about the local locals? Well, luckily, it's it's all been through word of mouth, uh, really. Uh, in the beginning, it was a few sales pitches, cold calls, and all that. But 
Uh, Anthony had reached out to me, and once I met him and we got him all set up, whether it be with the adapter pieces, whether it be with the decal on the window, whether it be with the menus that we give them, over 24 restaurants have signed up just solely because of his restaurant. Uh, and uh, I'm fortunate enough to be able to just follow up with this these people. Uh, at some point, I'm going to have to cold call. I'm going to have to randomly walk into people. Uh, but having a job that pays my bills, pays my mortgage, I can I do have to dedicate some time to that. How many how many businesses in New York State would you like to sign up for your program? See, that's the tricky question that some people ask me. For me, it's the more the merrier, not in terms of a monetary value, but in terms of the educating of the awareness of what it truly means. Uh, the right now, the less people are a part of it, the more valuable it is to them specifically. But in the long run, the more people are a part of it, the more people know what it truly means, and the more people will want to support it. Yeah, and one of our friends just walked in, uh, Danny Oliver from Island to Island Brewery in Brooklyn. How are you, Danny? Hey, how are you guys doing tonight? You know, this sounds like it's right up your alley. I know, yeah. uh, you, you know you're very active in, in your Brooklyn community. What would you want to ask uh, Andrew if, if you're... If he approach you about the uh, a two part question, it, one would be: Are you identifying all the farm breweries in New York State, and are you uh, have you thought about our sixty percent New York grown uh, requirements to add to your local to local? Because that's how you truly know it's grown in New York. Because it's I mean brewed in New York, it's actually grown in New York. Correct. That's a that's a whole other part of it. Those stipulations haven't been set yet. Um, by all means, we encourage people to use as much local product as possible, but that is not necessarily a requirement of the program. Uh, one thing we wanted to do with one of these breweries is get a, a group of them together to do a collaboration where 100% of the ingredients were New York State-based. Uh, we were hoping to do that in the fall during the harvest season of uh, the fresh hops. Last year, it just uh, it didn't pan out. So uh, it, it's something we always encourage but it's not necessarily something that's specifically required in terms of what we're doing right now. Wow, that, that's great. And now we're going to taste a bunch of uh, Kenny's uh, Crossroad beers. And Matt, we're going to take a short break and be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. We're also super awesome. Thank you, Heritage. Hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Hey, we got Kenny from Crossroads Brewery up in uh, Athens and soon to be Catskill, New York. Kenny, thanks so much for putting the show together. 
I love it. It's Hudson Valley to Long Island, and uh, oh we're tasting it special. So you said you brought some stouts today because it's cold out, right? Well, we brought I, I, I brought a regular Black Rock stout, but I bought. Um, <clears throat> we're trying to open. Matt's trying to. We'll go. Get it. We'll we get did it. a good job on that cord. That's all hand. Everything's hand. Hand labeled. Hand corked. I had basket. this the other night with with my wife. It was fantastic. Thank you. I appreciate. He's that. gonna hand, was, hand break the cork and first. <laughs> It's going to get stuck in the end of the... I think the my buddy Andrew first, Preston brought it First washed um, bourbon mm-hmm. barrels from Bootlegger uh, Distillery out in Roscoe. So we took those, and we obviously filled it with our, with our stout. Uh, we aged it, <clears throat> and then we cold-infused it with coffee. So Wow. We're going to hopefully... So he's using, he's using a, a wine key to get it open. <laughs> So I figured that was a little bit more exciting. I mean, our Black Rock Stout, it's a it's a great beer. Um, you know, I want to talk about your brew. I, I always like your, your beer, Ken, when you Black first Rock's opened up. Black a great up, beer and got featured in Madison Square Garden recently. Did it really? <laughs> wow. So tell us more about Kenny. Because <laughs> if you listen, you can Google. You you were on a number of shows years ago when we first op- you first opened up. Yeah, but up. the problem was is when you brought me on the show, you put me on with Phil Markowski and Garrett Oliver. <laughs> <laughs> So I basically sat in the corner. <laughs> but it was still fun, and it was very, very uh, entertaining and very, very... Um, I learned a lot from just sitting in and listening to those guys speak. So but back great. then, you, you had Outrage IPA. Yep, and what, Outrage. And Andrew, why don't you tell us, what, what beers do you sell or want to sell from Crossroads at, at your shop? Uh, well, currently, we guys. have the Cheers. Outrage IPA, New Normal IPA, and the Black Rock Stout in cans and in draft, whether it be slim barrels or half barrels. Uh, and then a long conversation Kenny and I have been going uh, back and forth with is uh, his Greens Fee Pilsner. Uh, golf is such a huge part of Long Island, and Pilsners are a nice, easy-drinking uh, beer. So we're, we're trying to put something together to get it out all over the, all over the island come uh, springtime. And you guys were talking about different so, so you're mostly selling cans right now of crossroads. Uh, yeah, due to my connections with different beverage centers, I've reached out to them. They a, lo- a lot of them have been uh, happy enough to support another New York State brewery and start carrying it. Um, we I, I don't have as many connections in bars besides the local to locals concept, but I do truly try to keep the two businesses separate. So. Uh, but you, I don't. So you're actually pretty interesting. You're, you're filling a niche. You're not like this mega distributor. You're, you're kind of hand-selling a, a number of, of brands. Nowhere close to a mega distributor. So, yeah. Uh, the majority of my business is still retail, but we are lucky enough to have a C license, which allows us the ability to wholesale. Uh, if you ask the State Liquor Authority, technically we are a wholesaler with a privilege to retail. Um, but that is the majority of our business is retail. And that's old school. So, so you can walk in, you can buy a soda, a bottle of water, or a beer. Yep, and then we uh, we sell the we have the flexibility to sell to bars, restaurants, country clubs, uh, delis, bodegas, you name it. Uh, it's not the focal point of my business, but it's. But if I'm having a, a party tomorrow night, I can order, call you up, get ten cases of beer. A- absolutely, and we'll the ice right probably too, right? You sell ice too. Ice, soda, water. Uh, we we strive on service and reliability to our customers. That's our motto. That's great, man. <laughs> and then and, and before you and Anthony were talking about, so the, are there new sizes of cans, like eight ounce cans? What what what's going on in the industry? You you guys are seeing things that I don't see. Yeah, so that that was uh, Nicaragua that we were talking about. Panga drops. Um, love panga drops. Love it. Love, love it. it. It's fantastic beer. Um, it's Nicaraguan uh, craft brewery down in I, f- I forget the town, but they're doing eight ounce beers, little panga drops. So when you're on the beach and you're drinking beer, 
It doesn't get warm. You finish it before it's warm. They're they're fantastic. You, and you know about that, Matt? Yeah, yeah. Beer Street. They used to have them. I would buy them. I would buy twelve from Corey at a time and just bring them to bartenders around. Ironically, I'm wearing their hat tonight, right now. And, and those always confuse me because you take one sip, you feel like you're done, so you swig the rest, and then later you, you finish twelve in an hour, and all of a sudden you realize what's happened. So. See, didn't you guys say you you could also put like a, a imperial stout in an eight ounce can as well? Yeah, so it's good for for beach beers. It's also good if it's a high ABV. This is a twelve and a half percent imperial Ooh. stout from Fifth Hammer. So you don't want more than eight ounces of this. I mean, some people do. I don't. <laughs> well, let's, are we going to get to taste that too? Yeah, why not? We're, we're drinking Imperial Stouts. Can you just tell us a little more about? So this is great. Tell by us the about way, your yeah. stout, or Andrew can tell us about it. Who wants to tell us? <laughs> Who would you rather hear on the mic? <laughs> Whoever know, really knows. What about would you the like beer? to know? Um, the Black Rock Stout. We're just we're, we're excited about it. It's it's taken. Uh, so it's been a great beer for us for a very very long time. You know, the Athens facility has been open for nine years. We've been brewing it there for probably full nine years. Uh, it's taken a gold. It's taken a silver at GABF World World, World, World Beer Cup. Um, it's actually the awards are on the can. We recently just got it into Madison Square Garden into the Delta Suites. That took me about eight months to do that, but um, you know it's it, it's a great beer. We, we brew it all year long. I think that uh, we're one of the few breweries that do brew it all year long, and believe it or not, we sell it all year long. So that's kind of why we brew it. It's nice um, to have that flavor under seven percent. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, when, when this recipe first came out, um, it was a little bit higher. It was right around 7.3, 7.6. Uh, you know, over the course of time, you want to try and uh, adapt to people's palates, yeah. you know, and, and, and try and, you know, a little less boozy. is It goes a little bit a, a long way. And what's really great about this particular stout is it's a foreign export stout. So you don't get that. It's not a milk stout. You don't get that 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 heavy aftertaste. It's very, very dry at the end. It's very, very light. It's easy drinking. And believe it or not, you know, people go, oh, stout, they're very heavy. You, you can drink a couple of these with no problem. Mm-hmm. Well, at least I can. Now, so. Andrew got excited when you mentioned you, you got your beer into Madison Square Garden. That's a big part of local, isn't it? A few years ago, we had a show with Eric Asimov from the New York Times and we were talking about why, why, why at the time, New York, the New York Yankee Stadium didn't really have any local pilsners. Um, what do you think about placing? Let's talk about it again. You got excited about Madison Square Garden taking on Crossroads. I think it's just great for the consumer that doesn't want to walk into Yankee Stadium, Madison Square Garden, and have your standard old beer that you could find anywhere. Uh, we do know that's a huge part of the business. Uh, but uh, I think the industry has evolved so much where we want good tasting beer we want to we want to be able to uh enjoy craft beer and there's nothing wrong everybody that's why there are thousands of different beers because everybody has a different palate there's nothing wrong with budweiser there's nothing wrong with corona everybody has their own uh taste buds and there's a reason those sell so much but there are there that's a now 10 percent of the market maybe craft beer so there are plenty of people that want to try a black rock stout at a game or a fifth hammer or uh island to island anthony Absolutely. Uh, craft beer is definitely where the market's headed. Um, I, I personally would rather pay a little bit more for a great craft beer and, and drink something that's made close to home. Absolutely. I always find it just impressive when I go into like a Madison Square Garden or a stadium. Like there's places that it's like you don't even the place is so successful. You don't even need to have a higher end list. And when they do, it's like John Brown Smokehouse. It's like. That place is so good anyways, but the fact that they have such an insanely good beer list gives them so much more cred to me. 
Like I'm, I'm going to say it again. I'm not going to say his name, but the guy that called me last week and asked, asked for pointers on his new beer list. Say his name, Jimmy. I'm not saying it. <laughs> because I can't believe that, that, that he went through the effort to, 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 to ask someone for advice. And then he, and all I did was call some of the reps that I knew. Yeah. He didn't really listen to their advice. At the end of the day, he was going to buy the beers he was going to buy anyways. So I don't, I don't know. I, I guess that's, that's what I like about the local local movement and the guys committed to craft. Because if you're not into it, you're not into it. You don't have to fool people, right? I mean, maybe that's part of why we need your, your, your movement. Because this way you can't fool people, right? Yeah. You can't just say, like, because it's on draft... Like it's 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 wicked weed or it's let me name let me name all these breweries and, yeah. and which of these are owned by AB, wicked weed, <laughs> yeah. Breckenridge, yeah. Elysian. Yep. How many are there? Golden I mean, Road. Yeah. There's yeah. a lot of them, and you wouldn't know if you walked in and saw those on on tap. You would think that those are craft beers. And and, yep. and from a bar owner's perspective, uh, a lot of times they want brand recognition, but that's where where consumers walk in and they recognize a product. But that's a lot of what Local to Locals is about, and this was the marketing and advertising part I was going to talk about, is if you walk into a bar, a restaurant, a retailer, and I'll just use Long Island-specific examples, a place like Oyster Bay Brewing Company or Greenport Harbor Brewing Company, it means something. They're named after a town. If a consumer has a positive association with that town, they're more likely to grab the product. Mm -hmm. Whereas if they walk into a retailer, a bar, a restaurant, they see Fifth Hammer, they see Island Island, they see Dubco, they see barrier to the average consumer, it means absolutely nothing. So now they see this local to local symbol on it. They now know the product is local. So now it means something. They start researching the can. Well, Fifth Hammer from here, Island to Island from here, Dubco from Bayshore, Spiderbite, Holbrook, so forth, Barrier, Oceanside. I'm interested in trying a Pilsner. Well, let me grab this product. They go home. It's still the brewer's job to make good beer. If you like the product, now, you go into a Target, you go into an Applebee's, and you see that same brand again. It now means something to you. So now, even when you're at this corporate location, hopefully if you're choosing to buy beer there, you're going to still support a local product. So will, will Kenny be able to, at his Madison Square Garden uh, gig, will he be able to have local to local on the beer? Uh, he would not, technically, because it's all it, it's a certification process, both for manufacturers and retailers so like anthony has been certified as a restaurant that's independently owned and operated coastal and verde and kenny has been certified as a brewery um so it's just it's a way to create that network but if you buy the can there's going to be the seal on the label uh at one of those locations yes yeah okay or on the tap handle adapter piece yeah so to speak to andrew's point um People come to Coastal pretty much every day looking for local beer. Um, I'll take a local beer, what's on draft, what's made locally. And with the Locals to Locals program and these little tap handles, it's a it's an easy way to show people what's being made locally. Um, we're about a quarter mile from the ferries, the Fire Island ferries. And throughout the summer, two, three million people get on those ferries from out of town. And they pop in and they say, hey, give me a local beer. And this is an easy way to help support those local companies and say this is what's local. This Anthony, is what's how big track. is your place? Mm. Uh, 3,400 square feet. So wow. it's fairly, fairly big. That sounds great. Does a, lot of, does a lot of live music, too. And what were you going to... You going to ask a question of Andrew, weren't you? So <clears throat> uh, Coastal and Verde, we were the first two restaurants to join on board of Locals to Locals. I'm pretty curious, who was your first client to begin with and what was your sales pitch? Uh, well, the first one... Well... 
want to go really back I, to show you how little I knew what I was doing. This originally started when I met with Blue Point Brewery. Um, and then it's evolved into so much more after speaking to other breweries. And uh, they currently cannot be a part of it due to their ownership in Anheuser-Busch. But that doesn't mean to say, same thing with Anthony at Coastal. Don't stop supporting them because they still create a lot of jobs on Long Island. They still draw a lot of people. If you're going to support one corporate line, you should be supporting Blue Point. Uh, so then I, I met with Greenport, met with Oyster Bay. They were kind of easy to deal with because they, they had that name recognition. Uh, and then other people saw a lot of value in not having that name recognition. Or uh, part of it is we, we help facilitate the sale of the product before it's even made. So the, there's 60-plus beverage centers committed to the program on Long Island that the product gets sold to. Uh, and right now there's 20-plus restaurants. So the breweries are able to send an email out to these people and kind of see if anybody has interest, what the allocations would be. And all of it's pre-sold before it even uh, leaves the warehouse. Wow, man. It's kind of cool. It's a little overwhelming. I mean, you actually took an idea and ran with it. How long have you been working on this? Uh, I think it developed in November of 2017, the first can, which you actually drank on air when uh, the Barrier, Sand City, and Dubco guys were here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you did drink that. They gave me a shout-out in the 42nd hour. Uh, <laughs> so I appreciate that. Uh, and then there's been a, one beer a month that has been coming out as part of the program uh, with the initial seven breweries. But now that more breweries are participating, we're expecting there to be more than one beer a month eventually. And then in November was really when it started to take off when uh, Anthony's Restaurant signed up because really – uh, that that's a game changer. Yeah. In, in New York State, there's only 350 beverage centers. On Long Island, there's only 100. You can only reach so many people. I don't know the, the restaurant quantity in New York State, but I could tell you Long Island, there's 2,500. So it's, uh, the, the potential reach there is far greater. Yeah. Wow. And then, Matt, let's talk about uh, Long Island breweries. You mentioned in the show, Andrew, when we had Dubco, Sand City, and Barrier on. That was a special show because... I feel that lo the Long Island brewing scene well, has well, really come We're still come waiting for Sand way. City to make a beer from their uh, vegetable garden. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. I remember that. <laughs> but they came a long way because even at, back after Hurricane Sandy in 2012, you know, there were breweries on Long Island. But, but now it seems like with Sand City and Dubco and Barrier, you, you guys are really on the map in terms of like top quality um, destination you know worthy breweries and that's kind of what i've explained to people five years ago this whole philosophy and concept and movement whatever you want to call it may not have been as possible or uh restaurants or retailers may not have been willing to do it because the quality necessarily wasn't there in the masses now you have some of the best breweries in the world right here in new york state uh, you mentioned the Long Island ones. We're, we're in Brooklyn right now. I was just at Five Boroughs. I stopped at Other Half. I stopped at Braven. Uh, the, the, the amount of good breweries out there is just tremendous. And Anthony, where did you go today? Uh, today we went to Torst, which is in Brooklyn. It's in Greenpoint. Um, 21 draft lines, I think almost 200 bottles and cans. Tremendous amount of craft beer. A lot of it's local. Just an amazing lineup. That's great, man. Well, you guys, we're going to take one more short break. Matt will uh, be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Okay, now we get one.
Hey, 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 welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Hey, check us out, heritageradionetwork.org. It's our 10th year. A lot of cool things happening this year. If you remember, you're going to get invited to special tastings and events. So check it out, heritageradionetwork.org. It's our 10th year. So guys, um, we've got a great crew here talking the local to locals movement. Uh, full house. Um, good buddy Matt Archambault from Brood in New York TV is on. Matt, how's the TV show doing? TV show's going well. Uh, been since it started airing in the city here, where I have a bigger network, people have been I've been hearing great feedback on it. So we're uh, working on trying to find a way to make more episodes. So hopefully that's coming up soon. Great man, we're yeah. gonna keep having you on the show. So yeah. Andrew, you, uh, you poured us another beer. Is this a local to locals? Uh, Certified brewery? Uh, yes, this was a beer done by Spider Bite Brewing Company uh, in Holbrook. They're actually one of those unique examples of somebody that does contract out of state three of their beers. But this specific beer was done at Great South Bay, uh, another New York State brewery. And this is a chocolate coconut porter, very easy drinking, and uh, it did very well this year. So, talking about that, like, you know, where I remember, like, I can say their name now, Six Point, when they first started, they were brewing in Red Hook, but very quickly, you know, they were brewing out of state for the bulk bulk of their production. Uh, you were at Five Boroughs today, and, and you mentioned Great South Bay. Those are some breweries that have the capacity to, to make other people's beers. How is that fitting into, the, like, the beer ecosystem? The well, need for, you know, breweries to, to make beer for other breweries? Well, I mean, obviously, everybody would love to just max out capacity in their own facility and make all the beer for themselves. Uh, but everybody has rent to pay uh, if, you, if you have to help somebody out. And if, on the other end, if you're a smaller brewery and you don't have the financial means to open your own or order the tanks and all that stuff, that is a, it's a very unique way for you to work with somebody and get your beer made. Uh, I'm just going to encourage it gets done in New York. That's all. Yeah. Kenny, anything you want to say? <laughs> well, well, I was going to – I was going to – we were talking about Long Island breweries just a little bit while ago. I was going to say, um, when I, I, I'm born and raised in Long Island and I grew up in Queens and, uh, you know, I, I had, you know, 12 years ago, I had the dream to open up a brewery, which was unheard of. And, you know, when I couldn't, couldn't do it down here, obviously financially, it was much more difficult. The laws were a lot different. Moved up to Athens, and I was able to accomplish that up and there. And tell us, you, you found what? It was an old... What? It was an old opera house, and we kind of retrofitted mm-hmm. to put a brewery cool. in there. And um, It's awesome. But we're talking... This is 10 years ago, okay? When I left Long Island to do this, there was only four breweries on Long Island. That's it. How many are there now? Uh, just I couldn't 40, even tell I you. Just over 40. There's 40 on Long Island now. <laughs> wow. There were only four breweries in, in New York City that, back then, too. That's so. Long yeah. Island. That's not counting the five boroughs. And right. more on the way, absolutely. Yeah. So you're talking about in a 10-year you know, span, the growth of this industry, what, have, was, what has happened. But, you know, for me, I've been doing this a long time. You know, Jimmy, I, I worked with Butternuts before I was with Crossroads and, you know, got that beer on the map. and. Hmm. And uh, so I'm doing this probably 15, 16 years. And what I've seen across the board has been incredible. My only fear is, is that, you know, when, when's it going to stop? And, you know, when is it going to stop? And when are we going to be so saturated with, with liquid and where people's heads are just going to blow off their bodies? You know, yeah. it's, well, it's, let's it's, let's let's jump ahead from that, because you've already made a commitment. You, you you went from your original location and you've expanded to a larger facility. Right. We still so you're believing you're believing in it. 
Well, you know, I mean, Outrage IPA has been a horse for us, and uh, you know, we've always we've held to our our, our beliefs that the West Coast style IPA is going to make a comeback, and we still brew it today. You know, we're dealing with a lot of obviously competition, local, local. Um, you know, I I love the concept and I love the local thing, and I want I I want the cream to rise to the top. I think at this point, um, and I want people to understand. You know, we want you to gravitate to local. We want you to obviously spend your money in the economy, but also understand that you have to decide for yourself, is that local beer, is that a good choice for your, your, yourself? You know, is there something out there that's better? So um, I, I just, it's hard for a brewery to reinvent themselves over and over and over again. And I've always stuck to my guns and said, hey, listen, we believe in our styles. We believe in what we're doing. We need to continue doing that, and you know, eventually the trends will change and, and turn. But it's it's a difficult time in this industry, and I, like I said, I've been doing this 16 years. I've never seen anything like this, and 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 it's hard for us as an established brewery to make the right decisions, commit to the right things, and commit to the right programs. You know, Anthony, um, you know, you've been in the industry a long time. You're a restaurant owner. At, at what point did you decide to do a more of a craft beer focused, uh, you know, local focused uh, establishment? I think uh, fairly recently, with the rise of the craft breweries, um, like Andrew said, there's almost 40 on the island right now. Um, you know, Great South Bay was one of the first. Uh, Blue Point was definitely before them. Um, there, there's so many, and it's it would be almost foolish to to buy beer from another part of the world instead of selling what you have in your own backyard. Um, fresher beer, better ingredients keeping your money local and just overall brand recognition. And uh, Andrew, so what Kenny was saying, I you have in the local locals program, you know, there's some criteria and once you refresh me my mind about what the criteria are again, but is there a quality criteria? Because at some point the, someone the, that's the, not the making yeah, the quality criteria the quality criteria goes back the way certification marks work unfortunately or fortunately if you meet the standards no matter what the relationship we have you could curse me out as we meet but if you meet the standards of what it is i can't deny you from being a part of it the quality comes back to if kenny is putting his crossroads logo on a can with the local to locals i'm just certifying that it's a local product i am not in any way shape or form making the beer so it's his reputation that's on the line, and it's any brewery that's using uh, their logo on a package that that's it's about quality. And then down the road, I think, like he said, at some point this is going to get very oversaturated, uh, and then two things are going to happen: companies are going to start competing on price, and companies are going to compete on quality. So uh, price will help uh, the consumer, and quality will help everybody. I want honestly, I, I, I. I Going back to it, I love the local local thing. I think it's the greatest. Like Andrew, thirty seconds, I was done. I was in. I was like, I love it. But I also think it gives the local. We we're keeping it all local, right? We're gonna use that word local local, and and let let the consumer decide. Let let them say, hey, this is a great local product. You know, um, we're gonna continue buying this. We're gonna continue keeping the money. In the local, let's industry. talk more about that. So, like, if if it's A B, you know, they got a headquarter, they're shareholders. You know, what are the jobs that are created when a business is in the community and, and other aspects? 
there's plenty of jobs created, and that's why, like Anthony, I don't think at Coastal he's going to stop supporting Blue Point, nor should he, because they do create a ton of jobs on Long Island. The problem is, no matter what, there's a portion of that money that goes back to AB. It's not staying all in-house. Um, and what we're, we're just trying to encourage keeping your money here. Uh, and one other thing I, I'd like to bring up, because the, uh, one of the biggest questions is, oh, what does it cost? What's this? There's always got to be... This isn't a money grab for me. This is uh, this is a passion project of mine. Uh, I don't take a salary from it. And at any given point, if I do take a salary, it's because I've proven it to anybody else. And one of my biggest commitments is 10% of all revenues, not profits, revenues, get given back to local charities, small business initiatives, or if ever big enough, uh, local infrastructure. So I would tell you just in our first year being very, very small, we gave $500 back to the New York State Craft Brewers Association to become an allied member uh, to give back to the breweries that participated. And we gave back $500 to the New York State Association of Beverage Centers to give back to the beverage centers. Uh, also, what was unique about, uh, we threw an opening event at Coastal Kitchen November to launch everything. Great we night. Did, it, it was awesome. Great we did a... Tap takeovers. Everybody does them, right? It's a pretty standard thing nowadays. So I wanted to think of something different. Anthony, I wanted to think of something different we could do. So we had seven different breweries do a tap takeover, and it was a charity tap takeover. So each brewery picked a local charity of their choice, and for every beer sold that night, Anthony donated a dollar to that charity. The breweries had the option to match it, and then we also did uh, raffle baskets, gift baskets, and happened to be the one night in November, that it decided to snow. Snow. And but we still raised over $2,000. Over 2000 And if the weather was good, he would have had to hire more bouncers and kick people out, probably. Yep. Great night. So we're drinking the Spider Bite Coconut Porter. What other beers did you bring, Andrew? Uh, we brought some Crossroads Brewing Company. Then we had, uh, I had this leftover, was a Raspberry Berliner Weiss. That was a collab from Spider Bite, Great South Bay, and Dubco. Uh, Gun Hill from the Bronx did Friend Zone, which is a tiramisu pastry ale. And then Dubco did a milkshake IPA. And actually, we're very, very excited for the next beer coming out. Is a collaboration between Destination Unknown and North Fork Donut Company. It's a little Homer Simpson-inspired beer, and this might take a few to get out, but it's a strawberry frosted donut milkshake IPA, and uh, that's coming out, scheduled, uh, I think, the February 20th week. Uh, that should be released. Oh, Very that's, that's my favorite style. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, and that's that's what's great about this. We, we give the breweries, because again, I'm not making the beer, and there's a science to everything that the breweries do. I don't want you just to make IPAs. I don't want you to just make stouts. I, I want you to make what you guys want to make and uh, showcase the talent you have and the science that goes behind it and the hard work that goes behind it. So you're like the marketing guy. You're the guru that's kind of giving everyone a little uh, uh, direction. I'm learning. I'm learning. You're learning, right? <laughs> Without a suit. Well, let's talk about Without marketing. Matt, um, so you said, remember the story of, of the guy who... We lived on beer for 40 days at Lent. Yeah, it was like seven years ago. You brought that up. So you guys, are, you made a beer at Fifth Hammer? Yeah, so at Fifth Hammer, we've got in the tanks right now a Lent beer. Um, it's a 7.5% Hellesbach, super malty, something maybe you could, if you wanted to sustain yourself for 40 days on only beer, this would be the one. 
All you need is probably a little. Danny, you know about this. Just a little vegetables and some vitamins, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Put some put some habanero in there. Yes. <laughs> so you put habanero in your Lent beer, and then you don't need any other food. Spice it up. <laughs> oh, and some spirulina. But I love that story, and you know, we, we, a couple. There's my buddy at Malton Mold in in the city, Kevin. He suggested a few years ago we did a thing called Liquid Lent, where we just we tried to feature uh, Abbey style beers. Uh, d- during that time, so there's some legs to this. I, I love yeah. this idea, right? Yeah. Forty it, days of Lent, and it's such a fad right now. At least in the city where I'm bartending, where people come in, and they go, "All right, so I want you to recommend something, but I don't like hops. I hate hops. It's it's very common now, mm-hmm. and I think often they don't know what they like. They just know they don't like that. Um, so having some multi options on tap lists right now. Well, well it's funny when you go to these breweries uh, and you ask them in their tap room what their number one selling beer is. It's not an IPA. It's not a stout. It's not a sour. It's typically a pilsner or a lager yeah. because you have the average customer, which is still the vast majority of beer consumers. Is the average customer mm-hmm. is wants something that's similar to what they know, yeah. and uh, 100%. yeah. T- t- the, the true trendy beer geek, beer nerd, whatever you want to call it, I'm one of them. I drink IPAs and I drink stouts. Is one and a half percent of the market probably. So uh, for, for Lent, the Doppelbach sales aren't going to go through the roof, guys. <laughs> no, no. But, it's a hellish box. The hellish box. But that, that's what I like about like having this, this L logo for your thing on these beers is like anything that makes someone think about beer in a slightly different way for the first time is yeah. so positive. You know, someone came in just last week and asked for a Montauk style ale. Wow. Um, oh, my favorite thing about Montauk. Yeah. What is, does that mean? P- p- yeah. my, my favorite thing about Montauk is <laughs> yeah. they don't they don't even know what they're drinking. Can I have the yellow Montauk? Can I have the blue Montauk? And hey, I'm not I'm not knocking their marketing thing because that's, whatever they did, no, that brand is on I'm just saying, fire. like that, it just means there's education. Needs yeah, to yeah, happen. that's great. Let me just change the subject. So New York State has a lot going on for it, from farm brewery licenses to you know a lot of reforms and all that. I want to give an example um, in in Colorado. There's, it's, I think they they've had also a unique way of supporting um, their own local, the rise of the local craft breweries. And um, from what I understand, it was because the independent package stores um, sell wine, beer, and liquor, and and then chains were not allowed to come in and and sell beer. I don't know if you guys know anything about that. I'm not familiar with that. I'm just familiar with New York State laws where you have to sell wine and liquor in a liquor store, and then beer could be sold essentially everywhere nowadays, uh, which was not the case, and that's part of what hurts beverage centers nowadays. I'll go back to that aspect of my business. Uh, I'm legally only allowed to sell beverages, so I, I have to make a margin on it, and that's what sometimes people don't understand. Uh, but a place like Walgreens, Rite Aid, Stop and Shop, they could work on 5%. But when you go buy their Advil and their prescription drugs, they're going to make 100-something percent. So uh, it, it's, a, it's, an a ongoing, it's an ongoing battle that the, we have. The reason I brought up Colorado is just, I want to just finish this point. I can tell, I, uh, listen, you know not to butt in, but I know for a fact that Andrew knows there's some loopholes that you can actually sell liquor and beer underneath the same roof. <laughs> Dang, with a, with yeah. a wall in between. <laughs> well, I'm going to say Colorado because it's a good example. What, 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 Not that he's doing. <laughs> what, what has been told is that because Colorado, only the independent store can sell wine, beer, and liquor. So that meant that every new upstart brewery could go to their local store 
and they wanted the same thing you guys are talking about. They wanted to just to buy and serve a local beer. They weren't a chain buying large quantities and getting favorite you know favorite terms from a big 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 uh, company. Yeah, what's what's great about this whole thing? Like I said, it's it's scalable to do nationwide on a state by state basis. So. I just have to prove its concept in New York and that it's worth it. So Anthony wants to be a part of it for the remainder of his career in the restaurant business. So Crossroads wants to be a part of it. For but the, the in-state component is important. So this is a New York State program. Absolutely. Like Colorado it, has a certain way that they have retail stores. Yeah, and correct. If, if this were to launch in Pennsylvania, California, now when you're in those states and you see the logo, it would be specific to that specific state. Um, That's an important part of, of what you're talking about. I, I really respect that. And then, and then, what's great about it is that we we want to be able to drive not only the local community to support local breweries, but anybody that's visiting as a tourist could now have an avenue to really go look up what okay. truly is local. Good when point. I go to California on vacation, I don't need to go to another Applebee's. I've seen them, uh, maybe in an out in an out burger, possibly, <laughs> but uh, I don't I, I don't need to go see what another Walmart looks like. I want to know what truly is local to wherever I am, no matter where I go on vacation. Okay, last chance for questions. Anyone has a question for Andrew about this program? Okay, uh, I don't have a question. I just want to say, <laughs> of course you don't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've, a, I've asked him a million questions. I just want to say, you know, I, I give Andrew a lot of credit. I think he's uh, solid Kenny, in what, what he's doing. Ask, ask Andrew one of the questions you've already asked him so that we can one learn the, something. What, what do you mean? One right. of the questions. Ten, you're starting over. You, I'm sure you have a question for Andrew before you join the program. How many cases of Crossroads are you going to sell? No, I, 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 no, honestly, I just want to, I, 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 I was so impressed with, with, uh, with his, um, just the whole movement, the local, local thing. Um, I watched his, there's a, he has a uh, quick YouTube thing. I, it was very professional. I, like I said, I jumped on board 30 seconds into it. It was a no brainer for us. Um, I'm proud to be the first Hudson Valley brewery, um, to join, and I think he's on to a really, really great thing. I'm looking forward to partnering with a lot of the, the, the not only breweries, but the restaurant tours um, and also the home distributors down on Long Island that are, that are part of this. And I think the networking is going to grow and grow and grow. And I, I think he's, uh, he's going to be the only one that's going to say, hey, wh how far is this going to Okay, go? we're going to give the local shout-outs. We'll go around the room. Everyone's going to say... The, the the town where they're working and a place nearby that they like to eat that's local. Let's start with Joe. Mm -hmm. So what town you're working in and a place you like to Bayshore, eat? Bayshore, Coastal Kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony, besides your own. Uh, <clears throat> Bayshore, I love to go to Tallulah's and uh, Salt and Barrel. Okay, Andrew in Hicksville. Uh, Andrew, Hicksville, uh, New Chili and Curry, and uh, Legends on Broadway, and Margarita's Cafe. I'll throw right. a couple out Kenny, there. where should I go in Athens, New York? <laughs> Crossroads Brewery. You I got mean, food there? <laughs> we do have food, yeah. We have a 100-seat restaurant there. Oh, man. I even, and Danny, and out in your part of Brooklyn? <laughs> where should I eat? I'm in Flatbush, Brooklyn, island to island, and I like to eat at Rispo and Catfish. Yeah. All right. And Matt, when uh, you're in Fifth Hammer in yeah. Long Island City, where do you eat? Well, I send people to John Brown Smokehouse, but I, I want to shout out the Huntress, the new spot from the guys who own Baroness. It's a wing spot. So good. Great. And Andrew, I, I just want to make one last plug because Bayshore has been such a big part of getting this whole Local to Locals launched. Is in the summer, they do a program, Alive by the Bay, which is a street festival that takes place on four different Tuesdays, I believe three in July. And July 2nd, July 16th. Yep. 
July 30th. Two weeks after. Street gets closed down, live bands, live music, great local restaurants, and they will uh, hopefully be featuring a lot of local beer this year. All right. Absolutely. You guys, I want to thank you guys all for coming on. Kenny from Crossroads, thanks for inviting your friends and helping to put this show together. Thank you all. And big shout out to uh, producer Justin Kennedy, engineer in the booth, Matt Patterson, our intern extraordinaire, Dylan Hoyer. I'm Jimmy Carboni. I'm the host. Thanks for joining us on the Heritage Radio Network. We'll catch you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family and become a member. Thanks for listening.